Welcome to Nangya Anderson's podcast series. Today, we are nose diving into a new set of rules that may soon require the fast-growing e-commerce sector to overhaul their business model and realign their policies and principles to the law of the land. To help us understand the nitty-gritties of the Consumer Protection E-commerce Rules 2020, we have with us Sandeep Junjunwala, who is a partner leading a bank law practice and the national head for emerging laws practice of the firm. Hi, Sandeep. For the benefit of everyone, and to begin with, could you please help us understand the intent of these rules and the applicability to various models of e-commerce businesses that have evolved during the recent times? Hi, Ashita. Uh, so, e-commerce business seems to be at the center stage of uh, economic activities in India. Um, so, maybe for the audience uh, to know, the, the Ministry of Consumer Affairs had notified the Consumer Protection E-commerce Rules 2020 last year in July sometime. And this year, the ministry is proposing to introduce several changes to these rules with a, with an overall intent to uh, reduce the unfair trade practices. And the overall idea here is to protect the interest of the customers, mainly you know who get probably defrauded from the purchase of fraudulent product or services. So that's the that's the overall intent. Now. To answer your questions on the applicability of these rules, these are likely to apply on all models of e-commerce entities which are selling goods and services through digital and electronic network, including the e-commerce entities which are not even established in India but systematically offering goods and services to consumers in India. So the moot point for discussion is the wide range of applicability of these rules to the e-commerce models. Now. The companies that would get affected would include several type of players, be it marketplace, inventory, single brand, multiple brand, one channel, multi channel, and businesses spanning from food delivery aggregators, online travel service providers, ride hailing service providers, home services companies. Uh, all of these major e-commerce players would now get covered under the radar of these rules. I mean, in essence, we can also say that any company which is providing goods or services in one form or the other via digital platform may may now be required to comply with this rule uh, having said all this one important point which is worthy of mention is that the consumer protection act 2019 which is the main statute governing these rules that uh, defines consumer to exclude persons who avail goods or services for commercial purpose so whether these rules will apply to b2b business models in the current form is probably a point which is worth evaluation as you mentioned sandeep these rules indeed have a wide ambit it surely seems like they could have a profound impact on how e-commerce business models are designed what financial implications of these rules do we foresee so the rules uh, you know provide for certain new concepts which will have a direct financial impact on the e-commerce businesses to start with uh, and the most important one which is being debated about is about the fallback liability which is now mandated on the e-commerce entity so uh, you know this is akin to making an e-commerce entity responsible for a defective or a fraudulent product or service which is provided by a seller on the e-commerce platform and you know somehow this this rule just seems to be at odds with how e-commerce entities usually conduct business because uh sellers are the parties who are responsible for providing goods and services whereas the e-commerce platform is you know just an aggregator or an intermediary so all said and done this will definitely set to have a adverse effect on the operating cost of the e-commerce entities 
just to give you a little bit of background, uh, e-commerce firms in India generally operate either through the inventory model or uh, you know the marketplace model. And FDI is permitted only in the marketplace model, and therefore most of the e-commerce platforms don't hold inventory by itself, but they simply connect the buyers and the sellers through their platform. But you know, considering that these platforms exercise little or no control over the inventory under this model, you know, a question that comes to everyone's mind is that how can they be liable for the seller's action? I mean, can we hold a departmental store liable for selling a defective product per se? So why this kind of uh, you know treatment for the online e-commerce platform? Now, apart from this fallback liability, another prominent topic is the festive and seasonal sales, which is commonly known as flash sales. Um, you know, flash sales is a very uh, important revenue generator for e-commerce platforms over, over the years. And these rules propose to uh, have a complete ban on holding a complete uh, ban on the specific flash sales if the sales are organized with an intent to uh, you know, enable only one specified seller or a group of sellers which is managed by the e-commerce entity. But uh, you know there was a clarification which came subsequently to this draft rules that the regular flash sales are not uh, you know prohibited. So this has created uh, you know more confusion than providing clarity, and it will probably need to be tested on a case-to-case basis. The third one, which is very important, is on the cancellation charges because uh, the rules mention that the platforms cannot impose cancellation charges on consumers, uh, you know, who cancel after confirming purchases unless there are similar charges which are also borne by the e-commerce entity. Um, the last point is on the differential treatment regarding the delivery of the product between the sellers of the same category that cannot be provided. So, you know, this will overall reduce the leverage that products have with, uh, you know, faster delivery. So, I, I think overall on the financial impact side, the additional compliances, the additional disclosure requirements will, in essence, overall increase the administrative cost for the e-commerce entity which may not or may be likely uh, you know recover from the customers at the end of the day also sandeep a lot is being spoken about the likely bias of an e-commerce entity towards group companies and associated enterprises listed on the platform or providing allied services what measures have been proposed to ensure that intercorporate relationship between parties does not hamper fair and trade transparent trade practices so this is a uh, you know very interesting aspect of the draft rules. Uh, you know, on a plain reading of the draft rules, it looks like that the in-house labels may not be permitted as marketplace e-commerce firms are required to ensure that none of their related parties or associated enterprises are listed as sellers on their platforms, and uh, no such en- entity should uh, you know sell goods to an online seller who is operating on the same platform. Uh, I mean, so much so that uh, the usage of any information which is collected through the platform for any unfair advantage of its related parties or associated enterprises is forbidden. Uh, But practically, if we look at most of the bigger players in this space have their own brands which are listed on the platform and this kind of prohibition on related party transactions will definitely have a significant impact on on the sales at uh, the group level. Uh, also, if you look at the draft rule, a very important aspect is that uh, you know the rules state that uh, the e-commerce entity should ensure that nothing is done by the related parties or associated enterprises 
which the e-commerce entity in itself cannot do. Now, again, if you look at the practical side of things, uh, most of the large e-commerce entities provide multiple uh, four-hour services such as warehousing, logistics, uh, insurance, they have payment gateways. Uh, all these are provided to suppliers through related parties. So the, the proposed amendment, I think, is a little ambiguous here on this aspect and it lacks clarity at this stage because uh, you know all these kind of services are being provided by the e-commerce entities uh, you know and separate entities are created by this businesses overall to uh, you know to comply with the various legal and uh, commercial requirements of the law therefore it would be fair to say that large e-commerce groups will definitely be impacted by these rules but does the government intend to make these rules applicable even to small and medium enterprises Digital revolution coupled with the COVID-19 pandemic has seen a surge in the number of small and medium enterprise businesses carried on through the internet. A crucial point worth considering is whether the, these rules are prejudicial to the interest of emerging businesses. Yeah, so as far as uh, you, know, uh, you know, the players in the e-commerce sectors uh, are concerned, uh, I think both uh, the bigger one and the smaller ones are analyzing the impact of the draft policy. Now, a, a very imperative view which is worth discussing here is that the one-size-fits-all approach could probably disturb the businesses of small entrepreneurs. And uh, you know, we, we discussed about the scope of applicability, which is quite large enough to cover any transaction which is carried on online uh, without any prescribed threshold. Um, so I think overall, it can probably do more harm than good. And uh, the additional compliances, disclosure requirements. Uh, could probably pose some bit of administrative hurdle for small businesses which probably would have started their businesses recently. So I think it is highly recommended that the policy framers and the regulators review these rules from the perspective of small and medium enterprise and maybe to some extent guidance could be taken from the intermediary guidelines and the digital uh, media ethics code that was made applicable to companies very recently. Uh, you know, the specific set of companies having specific set of uh, users and therefore, uh, you know, some bit of threshold needs to be notified to ensure that the smaller and the medium-sized businesses are not adversely impacted due to this. The government remains keen to protecting interest of the domestic manufacturers and service providers. However, providing a marketplace for foreign suppliers is also key to economic advancement. What are your thoughts on this, Sunday? So I think uh, you know, new concepts of transparency have been provided in the draft rules. Uh, e-tailers are required to provide a filter mechanism uh, you know, so that the details in relation to imported goods, uh, including their country of origin, the ranking of products without discriminating the domestic goods and all that are, are, very, are made very clear to the buyer. Uh, there is also a requirement to display uh, the domestic alternate for each of the imported goods which are listed on the platform. Uh, also, I think one of the most important and the crucial aspect which is listed out under the draft rule is that the e-commerce entities should not mislead the users by manipulating the search result or search index having regard to the query which is uh, being raised by the user. So I think uh, through and through the objective of this rule seems to be in line with the government's uh, push for uh, made in India products. And this definitely will have a boomerang effect in ensuring a fair opportunity for domestic products on the e-commerce platform and also encouraging the small business to innovate 
production of uh, alternate goods in India. But having said all this, I think the provisions are also likely to pressurize the e-commerce entities to create uh, you know, some sort of functionalities to implement these rules which in turn could uh, pump up the overall operational costs uh, for these categories of business. Apart from overhauling the business process, there is also a requirement to obtain registrations and undertake additional compliances. Could you please throw some light on these new requirements? Yeah, quite a few when it comes to the compliance side of things. So, uh, to begin with, uh, the rules specify that all e-commerce entities are mandatorily required to register with uh, the Department for Promotion of Industry and Internal Trade, DPIT as we commonly say. And post this registration, the the number which is allotted by DPIT is required to be displayed on the website of the e-commerce operator and all the invoices that gets generated. Uh, the e-tailer the e invoices should also predominantly display the name of the seller uh, in the same font size as that of the e-commerce entity. This is what the draft rules prescribe. And in, in addition to all this, there are compliances which include the compulsory appointment of a chief compliance officer, a resident grievance officer and a nodal contact person in India. And all this I think are meant for a strengthened grievance racial mechanism um, that probably the regulators want to put in place. All this uh, appointment details needs to be mentioned on, on the website of the e-commerce platform. One significant aspect that uh, the draft rules also speak about is that Every e-commerce entity is required to provide the required information to the government agencies within 72 hours of request. So, I mean, this would mean that the information flow within the e-commerce entity needs to be streamlined in a way that they are in a situation to provide this information to the government in a, in a time-bound manner. So, overall, I think this proposed compliance changes aim to curb the e-commerce entity's dominant position in the market and also increase the scrutiny of uh, you know the business which are operating in India. Now what would be interesting to watch out is the position that various companies take for classifying themselves as an e-commerce entity for the purpose of these rules vis-a-vis -vis the position that they would have earlier taken for FDI regulations or income tax and GST for that matter. As we speak of compliances, Sandeep, the appointment of officers seems to be almost in lines with the intermediary guidelines and digital media ethics code. How do you think this will impact the income tax position of foreign e-commerce entities operating in India? Yes, Ashita, so you rightly said, uh, the compliance rules are similar to those mentioned in the, the intermediary guidelines. Uh, this does not seem very favorable for the non-resident e-commerce entities as they may now be required to have uh, a formal presence in India through these employees which are compliance officers or nodal officers, grievance officers, etc. Uh, I think from an income tax standpoint, the exposure to create a permanent establishment for this uh, non-resident e-commerce entities cannot be completely ruled out and you know, it will also depend on, on the facts of each case. Considering the multifold impact of these rules, what could be the consequences of non-compliance for e-commerce entities? Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting question. Now, the draft rules currently don't provide for any specific penal clause. Now, having said this, uh, the non-compliance with the rules once implemented would probably be punishable with uh, the imprisonment and fines under the Consumer Protection Act, which is the main statute under which these rules are being framed. 
you know this penalties could be for multiple set of contraventions such as non compliance with the directions of the central authority or for false and misleading advertisements but overall the rules don't speak about uh, you know any kind of penalty at this stage lastly could you comment on what has been the sentiment of the public and stakeholders after these rules were released for public comments also do you think there will be any relaxations in the provisions given that e-commerce entities are concerned with the tighter rules and fear a negative impact on their overall functioning in india so uh, you know on the uh, sentiment of the public and the stakeholder i think uh, the newspapers and uh, the digital news also have been filled with a lot of uh, uh, you know recommendations which have been given by the public on this uh, i think keeping that in mind the ministry had extended the timeline till july 21st to submit the feedback on the proposed changes to the to the e-commerce rules now i think it is likely that most of the larger e-commerce players and the industry's bodies uh, you know who regulate this kind of business they would have submitted their recommendations and also raised the potential issues before the ministry um uh, there was a industry wide discussion which was held on july 3rd and a lot of distress was voiced in that meeting in relation to some of the issues such as flash sales uh, for, you know fallback liability the domestic alternatives in house label cancellation charges and you know many other new concepts which have been proposed uh, you know under the rules now as aside to this the jurisdiction of uh, the ministry of consumer affairs food and distribution uh, is uh, also being questioned as these rules provide for concepts which are well outside the consumer protection purview i think the rule bounces from consumer welfare territory into various other domains such as fdi trade competition the personal data protection data sharing related party so therefore you know there is a bit of uh, ambiguity in that aspect as well now whether or not these rules will be relaxed is a question that probably time will answer but what we can expect is that the ministry could provide the necessary clarifications to avoid the over regulation of this uh, emerging sector and you know they they should come out with some clarifications on the questions such as you know to whom is it applicable is it applicable to companies who are only selling their goods or services through their websites what is the threshold for small and medium businesses what is the timeline for obtaining the dpit registration what is the validity period uh, you know what is the mechanism for determining the fallback liability for e-commerce platform and you know issues such as uh, you know logistic service provider providing a differential treatment to sellers who are listed on the platform i think mo- most of this uh, aspects needs to be clarified although uh, i would say that this is at a nascent stage and these rules once it is implemented will definitely ensure that the e-commerce business flourish in a more regulated ecosystem uh, within india thank you sandeep Governments across the world are closely monitoring the boom of the online marketplace and are modifying their laws to cover various facets of the e-commerce sector. India has been at the forefront of amending its laws to ensure a regulatory framework is established for the various business models emerging at a rapid pace. While the objective of the rules is protection of consumer interest, necessary steps must be taken to ensure that e-commerce entities are not overburdened and muddled due to overlapping provisions of other laws. It must also be ensured that the intended objective of establishing a fair and level playing field does not go astray. To cut the long story short, we are definitely looking at an interesting period ahead for the e-commerce sector in India. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to sharing another podcast with you very soon. This is Ashita Kethan and Sandeep Chundanwala signing off for Nangya Anderson.